Yo, what's up? This is Toru, and in a way, so are you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a music producer, artist, and entrepreneur. I make music for that space between the dance floor and the bedroom, which has been streamed millions of times and been licensed by brands big and small, including companies like Apple. I believe that regardless of what you produce, whether it be music, art, physical goods, or even spreadsheets, you have a process, whether you know it or not. To explore this further, I created the Producer Head podcast. Producer Head is a place to have conversations with other producers about their experience and process to share what works and what doesn't, to help each of us learn and improve our own processes along the way. Today's guest is Jacuzzi Jefferson, a producer, engineer, and professor based in Brooklyn, New York. Some credits are as follows. As a producer, he's worked with Raekwon and Cool AD. He's engineered for 50 Cent, Jules Santana, and Trey Songs. He even teaches digital music at Hostos Community College in New York City. In this conversation, we cover so many topics, but here are a few. The importance of listening to music outside of your comfort zone, release strategies in a digital world of playlists and algorithms, expanding your creative expression through multiple aliases, working with labels, the value of working for free, and development of foundational skills for producers. After all, he is a professor. Straight up, I'm stoked to share this conversation with you. Aside from being talented and full of useful information, Jacuzzi Jefferson is simply a good dude and I'm grateful to know him. I learned things in this conversation that have stayed with me and expect the same will happen for you. By the way, in case you missed it, Jacuzzi Jefferson and I released a song called Liftoff with Etymology Records. It's out now and available on all streaming platforms. Okay, without further ado, episode one of Producer Head with Jacuzzi Jefferson begins now. Let's get into it. Jacuzzi Jefferson, thank you for being here. Hey man, thanks for having me. We'll just jump right in because I think, man, what's super cool about I mean, I think if anybody checks out your music or any of your what you're doing online, it's pretty clear immediately that you've worked with a bunch of people and it includes people across different genres and different kind of talents, like vocalists, instrumentalists. I mean, it includes like people like Raekwon and as well as people like Cool AD and then people that are kind of associated with like kind of maybe more chill hop stuff like Chris Mazura and Kyle McAvoy and all that kind of stuff. And so I think it'd be really cool to just share the way that you think about collaboration, how you how you source collaboration, how you assess like what's a good fit for collaboration and so on. Well, so some of the producer stuff is just like the people around, you know, so I was working at a recording studio as an engineer. And so I would make music with the other, you know, even when I was like an intern or a general assistant, just making beats with the people who were also interns and general assistants. And like when I, when I was an intern, we used to do 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. Oh, wow. Like unpaid too. And then, you know, once 7 p.m. hit, it wasn't like a, a rush to go home. It was like, that's when we all chilled. You know, we like make beats and like they would they would let us slide in the um, into the studio if there wasn't anything booked. You know, we'd get these like bumpable sessions. Yeah. So we were just like always around and just like making beats because it was fun to make beats. And, and my buddy would mix them for free because he liked mixing and then my friend would master them for free. Cause he, I mean, and he just, you know, he just won a Grammy like a couple of weeks ago, like this, he's like the real deal, you know, but we were, we were just like doing it cause it was fun. So I think just surrounding yourself with people like that is a good first step where learn maybe not focused on, um, you know, getting paid or making money off of it or turning it into a product or, you know, like I'm down to do it, but here's my rate, you know, that you can kind of like put some pressure on, 
that kind of stuff. So if you just if you have people around you that you can just kind of jam on, I think that's a good first step. If you are looking to level up, you probably are going to have to pay somebody's rate, which which like, you know, I mean, you want somebody to pay your rate. So it's like it's it's not a bad it's not a bad thing. The stuff with like Chill Hop and those guys, a lot of that was through Kyle. So mm-hmm. Kyle was hosting these um, like producer boot camp type things and people would go up to Woodstock and just stay for like a week. And, you know, so, so I, I play in a group, Kyle had DM'd us and he's like, Hey, I just came across your music and I think it's cool. Like, do you want to chat? You know? And it's like, you know, you get DMs like that and you kind of like get a feel for like, which ones are real and which ones aren't. And so it was like, you know, he looked him up and I was like, his music was cool. So I was like, all right, let's hop on the phone. And we chatted and he's like, I'm doing this thing. Like next week, do you guys want to come? And you know what I mean? So it was just like yeah, very wow. fast. And then I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then when he, he sent the email, I looked at the other people on the email list and, you know, it was like a bunch of people I recognize, you know, like Oat Mellow and cartoons and like all these wow. people who are nasty. So I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, and I, I knew, um, I knew cartoons through, through somebody else and he ended up not even being there, but so I was like, all right, I'll know one person, you know? Yeah. But then when we went, it was like Ian Ewing and Chris Mazuera and like, you know, all these people that like, yeah, are pretty dope. And I knew of them. You know, G Mills, it was just like very laid back, very chill. Everybody was just down to collaborate. Bureaucratic was there too. And you just people who like kind of were in a similar circle, but but a level higher than, you know, these are what I felt, a level higher than what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody was just kind of down to like collab and just hang. And sometimes people would be like, oh, I'm not even making beats today. Like I'm just going on a hike and, you know, just real good vibe kind of stuff. Yeah, that's how it kind of quickly like was kind of introduced to a lot of a lot of those people. Wow, that's really dope. I mean, so when I hear you kind of say all this, man, it makes me think about you know the importance of of putting yourself out there in multiple ways, right? Like you need to have music out there so that people even have the chance to find you. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And like you know, there's there's this pushback because Spotify like doesn't pay what it should pay. You know, and and I agree, you know, mm-hmm. it pays like, you know, half a penny per stream, something like yeah. that. But Spotify is the reason why, you know, my music gets put in front of so many people, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I'm sure Kyle probably found it on Spotify. I mean, he's good at like keeping his ear to the ground and he's he's always like looking for new things. And, um, you know, he's just like a good tastemaker guy. But, you know, but still, that's probably where he found it, you know, Discover yeah. Weekly or something like that. So... I think like, yeah, like you just got to do it, you know, and be on Bandcamp and be on Spotify and play shows if you can play shows. And, you know, you should do the social media stuff. I'm not good at that, but I'm I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah you kind of never know where like the next, the next thing is going to come from, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I couldn't agree more. So as you're collaborating, to what extent does your mindset change or your process process change? as you move from working kind of as a solo producer artist to working with another artist or or group of artists, even. I don't know. I mean, even when I'm doing like solo stuff, I'm still looping in people, you know, like I'm wrapping up an album now and I was just looking at the, the track list and, and none of the songs are just me, you know? So even though it's like my album, I'm kind of like bringing, bringing people in so that I think it's just ultimately like deciding when it's done you know, or who to loop in or like what the song is called or the artwork or how it's getting promoted or video, like that kind of stuff feels very different for mm-hmm. solo work. Cause like the, the process is still 
pretty collaborative. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like the music making process. Um, and then I guess the last part is, I guess maybe it's sort of either like compartmentalization or collaboration with yourself because you have all these other aliases. Yeah. Um, and so right. maybe you want to talk a little bit about those and kind of, you know, what those do for you, you know, artistically and functionally maybe. Yeah. So, you know what, I, I kind of learned about that, that approach at one of these producer camps in Woodstock. Some of the guys, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if their aliases are like secrets, so I don't want to name names, but, you know, I was chatting with somebody and they're like, yeah, you know, I, I put out my music, but then I also have this alias where I put out like solo piano stuff. Mm. And then they're like, and I have this other alias where I put out like ambient music. And at the time, like I was so anti that idea, you know, it's like, why would you do that? Like, why not mm. put all your efforts towards building up the brand and then people mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then as the algorithm, you know, like the Spotify algorithm starts to work for you, you realize like it actually makes a lot of sense to keep them separate, you know? Mm -hmm. And these guys, like some of the like chill hop, chill beats type stuff, like even though it's sometimes like very simple, you know, like the progressions and the loops, is, like they're all nasty. They're like yeah. such nasty musicians. Um, and so like they're in, maybe intentionally kind of, I don't want to say dumbing it down, but like, they're not, they're not really showing you what they fully could do, you know? So it's just like tastefully like digestible, I'd say. But yeah. And so like for one, some of these guys to just like sit at the piano and just like write a bunch of solo stuff for like a sleep playlist, yeah, you know, would take them like no time at all. So you might as well do that. So if you're thinking playlist, right, the, like the more simple kind of backgroundy it is, the mm -hmm. easier it is to playlist on those types of playlists and they get a ton of streams, which is cool, right? Because then your numbers go up. But then when you go to your page, it's like, that's going to be your number one song because it got the most plays. So then when somebody says like, oh, let me check out so-and-so's music, the number one song is this like kind of sleepy background song because it's got like 20 million streams. Right. You know, you might be like, well, that's not really like my artistic statement. Like, that's not what I'm fully capable of. I don't want you to check out that one song and be like, well, that's what they do. So I think it does make sense. And then if you're like putting both things out under the same name, like once you teach the algorithm, like put me on every like sleep playlist. Sure. And then your next album's like a house album. You, you're going to mess up any kind of momentum with the algorithm, you know? Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to just like have these different outlets for different styles if that's your approach so like when i do right. jacuzzi it's like that stuff doesn't all sound the same but that's like my artistic statement so sometimes it's kind of housey sometimes it's kind of hip-hop or indie or like but it's like whatever that's just like what i'm putting out and so like i want yeah. people to know like this is what i'm into but when i do something like you know i got lake sanford is my like kind of chill alias and so it's stuff and you know it's not like throwaway it's not stuff that i think is whack it's just it's very chill and so i want that to just kind of be over there and it's not a secret you know i'm not like pretending it's not it's not me but um yeah i'm like on board with the alias now now i want to have like 10 of them you know yeah yeah it's really interesting you know i mean i think like the medium always impacts kind of the way that we make things no matter like kind of what the product is but it's really interesting Definitely. to think about it in creating sort of additional aliases or personalities or or artist kind of personas along the way, because that's it's a really strong impact, you know, beyond just like kind of how long a song is or, or the instrumentation or the way they package it. 
So, and yeah. I really like, I think, been, I mean, I think you like, you're hundred yeah. percent right. I was just, just like, you know, green that it's, it's the medium yeah. is the, is the thing that's like dictating that yeah. this makes sense. So interesting. But I really like what you said about and, artistic you know, statement. Like, Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead, man. You're good. Sorry. <laughs> also, I was just going to say the like, in terms of um, release schedules, you know, like the way like to pitch for Spotify for artists, uh, for their editorials, they want, you know, like at least two weeks. Some mm -hmm. people say do a couple weeks. Yeah. So, and you can only pitch one thing at a time. So if I drop one song, I got to wait a couple weeks to pitch the next one, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and because it's like the same, like you said, like the medium is driving, it's like people are consuming stuff via playlists, mm -hmm. right? So if I drop a 10 track album, I can pitch one of those songs sure. to be considered for editorial. But if instead I had done 10 singles, I could have pitched all 10 of those, but then right. I have to wait two or three weeks in between. And now we're talking about, you know, 20 to 30 weeks of you know like sure of releases so then it's like well now i'm i'm taking up like all this time on these 10 songs but if you have alias you can be pitching to different projects simultaneously you know what i mean like uh, yeah yeah it can no that's of, that's a really interesting point in terms of like it can sort of the way that this but because what it sounds like you're describing is really like the way that spotify for instance is set up that you're sort of limited in what and how you can release in a certain way. And so that having multiple outlets, you can give yourself the opportunity to release it more frequently and have it all out there sooner rather than later. And I guess, you know, now that we're on the streaming, it made me think that, you know, I guess, especially given it like kind of in the beat scene, how there's sort of been this like emergence of, of labels. So I guess if you could speak on maybe your experiences working with labels and your, your opinion on like maybe the importance of working with them and succeeding, as an artist, and maybe if you're somebody who's never released with the label, how would you suggest somebody go about sourcing that opportunity, you know, for the first time and making that leap? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. It's, I don't know that I have a good answer, but when I started doing more solo stuff, I, I tested out like a couple labels and I think, I mean, it depends on what kind of label, if you're like a beats producer looking for a beats label, I think the thing you're probably looking for is like access to a big playlist, you know, or mm -hmm. if it's like a local scene, like mm -hmm. if, if you have a beat scene in your city, like, is there a big label that's, that's kind of connected to everybody because then networking and shows and all that stuff could be included with being affiliated, you know? So like if they're putting together a show and it's like, well, I might as well hit up, you know, these people that release with us, like, then it makes sense. But if they don't have either one of those things, you know, then like, why, why give up a percentage of what you're doing, you know, and, and they're just going to pitch you, mm -hmm. you know, and like you could pitch yourself and everybody kind of like, I'm sure, I'm sure like any producer gets like the same hundred emails all day long that are like, we'll get you on this Spotify, such and such. And like, mm -hmm. everybody claims to do the same thing. Um, it's hard to tell. Like a lot of it seems like kind of fake, kind of scammy. Um, but you know, I've I've put out things through DistroKid and then pitched it through Spotify for artists and then it got editorial. So it's like you don't need any of that. You know what I mean? Wow. You just yeah. need the like the luck of like the right person coming across your submission that digs it and says, okay. You know, it's weird because that's like 
that's like the gatekeepers now. You know, it used to be labels and radio mm-hmm. stations and MTV, BET, but but now it's just like some person who works at Spotify like saying yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And then it can kind of skyrocket. But even just like organic, organic growth. So like getting your friends to stream your song, I think can teach the algorithm that people like this song. You know what I mean? Or if like your friends are adding uh your song to like a playlist that has Lilo and Madlib and Ketra and then they're then the algorithm is like, hey, this song actually belongs next to Flylo and Madlib and Ketra. You know, and mm-hmm. I I think, I mean, I'm kind of guessing, right? I feel like everybody's guessing and it's constantly changing, but I think you can kind of teach the algorithm like where it belongs and who digs it and do they save it? You know what I mean? So like saving a song, I, I think is pretty helpful. You know, when yeah. all you're asking people to do is just like add it to a playlist and then play the playlist. You know, it's not even money. It's not like, will you come to my show? Will you buy my CD? It's just like, will you click on this thing and like, you know, like let yeah. it play for two minutes? No, it's such yeah, a small man. ask, but but that's what we're like. You know, and and one time I like I showed I showed my mom like some music on Spotify and she like she clicked on it and then she like paused it. She's like, all right, well, I'll check it out later. I was like, mom, <laughs> no, like you just you just taught the algorithm that like people pause it after 10 seconds and you know what I mean but but those they're like they're like incredibly supportive shout out to shout out to my folks and my sister too like same thing like like one time I I dropped a song and my sister streamed it like 30 times in a row or something and I was like that you shouldn't do shouldn't do that that's probably bad for you bad for your mental health but yeah, actually, you know what? The one that she streamed like a million times in a row ended up getting on uh, Lo-Fi Beats, oh, which, wow. like, you know, is like the biggest playlist for that kind of stuff and then got, you know, two million plays. And so it's like, who knows? Like maybe that yeah. kind of got the ball rolling. You know what I mean? You never really know like what did it. Yeah, um, man. I mean, it all helps, so you shout, know. Shout out to her yeah. too. Yeah, that's what's up. Shout out to the family of Jacuzzi. Yeah, man, with yeah, that actually... Yeah, with that, I'm actually so I think that's a nice place to kind of go into. I'm curious about sort of, you know, like the origin story of of your music, your interest in music and to how you get to be somebody who not only just makes music, but to make it, you know, with intention. And like you said, to think about I really like what you said before about having kind of an artist statement. I think, you know, that intentionality and all of that. So I'm curious about the road to that, you know, and how you cultivated that. I like don't remember the very beginning. I mean, we always had a piano in our house. Like I have a picture of me as a kid, like, you know, reaching up to like get the piano keys. So like, it just was always around and, and I had, I got lessons, you know, when I was a kid and what I like, you know, I wasn't playing stuff that I was like super excited about. I was playing like my heart will go on. (laughs) It's a classic. Yeah. And like, it's a classic, but you know, when you're like a young (laughs) boy, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I don't know that that's like what I really wanted to be playing and playing like La Bamba and stuff like that. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's cool. But so then I wanted to play guitar because I think I was listening to a lot of guitar based music, like pop punk and stuff like that. And then my folks got me a lesson, you know, shout out to my folks again, you know, yeah. just like getting lessons for piano and getting lessons on guitar. And even like that, though, I was playing on acoustic guitar and some like Hawaiian songs and stuff. I, I was in Hawaii at the time. Okay. Um, and then I was like, this is cool. But like, it's still not, you know, Blink-182 and <laughs> that kind of stuff. So so then just like staying up late, uh, reading guitar taps, you know, off the internet. Yeah. 
How old were you when you started playing guitar? I don't know. I would guess maybe 13-ish, something like that. You know, I tried a lot of things and, you know, my I tried different sports and stuff and, you know, and drawing and painting classes and, yeah, just like all kinds of things. So it's just like music was one of those things. Yeah, and then that bridge into going from like somebody who plays guitar and some piano, how did you make that transition into production and engineering? Well, I always like whatever I was into, I like wanted to do it myself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like when I was into wrestling, it's like I, I wanted to have like wrestling events in the basement and, you know, like that kind of <laughs> stuff. So it's like, uh, and when I was into basketball, I was like, I wanted to play basketball, you know? And like, so when I was into music, it's like, I want to like record my own stuff. So we got music studio or something like that audio studio it's like some some cd that we bought at um circuit city wow you know what i mean that's the yeah. and um, CD-ROM. It, yeah cd-rom and then got a program and i used to use just like you know like the little mic that, yeah, like, yeah sometimes yeah. absolutely would be the old computer i would record with that and then got like a better mic and then uh eventually got an interface and so i just kind of was like slowly kind of like how can i do this myself but a little better and not really knowing what anything was just kind of fumbling through it. Like I used to play in a, in like a band and we just made like silly songs, but, and we would record music like with the computer mic, wow. you know, and like put it yeah. near the drums and record the drums and record the, um, so yeah. So it was just like chipping away on, on quality. I made beats with like reason. I used reason Four back in the day. Wow. And I used, uh fruity loops somebody gave me like again like on a cd i think he sold it to me for like ten dollars <laughs> somebody in my class this was probably like 2005 2006 something yeah. like that wow. so yeah just installing fruity loops and making beats and then you know like reason and then garage band and then you know like and then pro tools and kind of just like kind of kept chipping away and then eventually like i went to went to villanova university and studied audio production as a concentration Uh, within communication yeah then then started taking like pro tools classes and yeah and then it was on you know and then yeah somehow you landed in that studio that you were talking about earlier yeah so uh, so i graduated from villanova and then i went to a school called the conservatory of recording arts and sciences in arizona cool and that's just like a certification school for audio engineering and that one that's like when i was like really taking school I mean, you know, I did well in school, but like, yeah. that's when I was like really taking it serious, mm. you know? Cause I was like, if I'm going to be in Arizona, I don't know anybody, you know what I mean? I'm like far sure. away from home. Like I'm going to like, I'm going to crush it, you know? Like, yeah. like I just like had this motivation of like, if I'm here, then I want to do it right. And did like really well, learned a lot. And that was a, that was a cool school because it was open 24 hours. So like we would have mm-hmm. class from, I forget, I think I was in the morning class. So maybe like 10 to two or three, mm-hmm. something like that. And then you just like have the day off, you know, like yeah. from then until 10 o'clock the next day, there's nothing you have to do. So we would just like, and you could book time and be there all night long if you want. So really just kind of getting, getting chops up and getting comfortable on like different consoles and, you know, yeah. different mic placements and that's really cool, man. I mean, it sounds like that really kind of prepared you for that studio environment that you eventually found yourself in. So even from like the way oh, that the yeah, timing man. of the schedule is, you know, and so that you're pretty accustomed to like, okay, yeah, 10 to like five, I can work, you know, and get stuff done. And then I still have the energy and like the interest to keep going, you know, and work with other people. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And then once I started like interning, 
man, those are some like super late nights. If you work, you know, so we'd work. So when I was like an intern in New York, 10 to seven, but then they would say like, you know, so-and-so's coming tonight. He might be like a big rapper or singer. And, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to be a runner or do you want to be an assistant? And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's why I just worked for free all day, you know, is for that opportunity to be in the room with so-and-so. So, sure. so you say yes. And then those sessions go till however late they go. And my, my like personal cough would be like, if I'm here till 3 a.m., I'm just going to sleep here. Yeah. And so then I would like sleep at the studio, you know, at wake up at nine, go to Dwayne Reed, buy like a toothbrush and then start working at 10, you know, because yeah. it's like, it doesn't make sense to be like 3 a.m., catch a train back to Brooklyn. At the time too, like I was one stop away. So it was the last stop in Manhattan and I would mm. take it to the first stop in Brooklyn. So it's like, gotcha. it's really just one stop, but you got to cross over boroughs and but once I got off, then I had a mile walk home, mm. which like, you know, in the summertime when you're chilling, it's fine. But when it's 3, 4 a.m., you know, and it's raining and like, yeah. like man, I got to walk a mile. So, yeah, sometimes I just sleep at the studio and then do it the next day. Yeah, some crazy. And like a lot of rappers, like they, you know, want to come in at 10 p.m. and work till 4, 5, 6 a.m., which is cool, you know, if you're like on, if you're on like rock star schedule, but. Yeah. When you got to like work the next day, then it's, it's, it can be a lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I think but I loved it though. Man. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds so cool, man. And so, I mean, you know, now, you know, you're actually, you know, you, you so much formal education and, you know, in addition to all the time you just spent on your own in the studio, practicing and working with other people. And, and now you've, it's come full circle. Now you're a professor yourself and you teach digital music. And so I'm curious about how you approach that with all the experience that you have in different kind of formal environments. And also, you know, you describe, man, like so much of, I think, I would say like part of the reason you've been so successful is because you you know how to value learning opportunities and general opportunities aside from what they can pay you monetarily in the moment. And so I would say like, you know, how do you, how do you pass that on and help people develop the skills to to kind of understand and appreciate, you know, value that maybe doesn't feel like instant gratification or come in the moment and doesn't pay you right away. Well, that's, t- it's tough. And that's, I mean, it's a good question. It's because values change. I think the relationship with internships has already changed in the last, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years that we're talking about. I don't know that you're allowed to do all the things that were done before. And I think yeah. like, you know, Gen Z's, they, value their time in a way that's like a little different where they're not down to kind of do stuff that isn't fair but also it's like you have to acknowledge that it's like i mean there's privilege in that in working for free Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like the ability to work for free not everybody can do that or you can only do some days but not other days or like if you have children you know and then it's like well now i need somebody to like babysit them while i take this opportunity to like work for free and you know what I mean? There's just, Absolutely. there's just a lot yeah. involved with that, that you can't just not acknowledge. So I, I was lucky when I, um, again, my parents like helped me a lot. And when I was in Arizona, I was able to save up some money with, mm-hmm. you know, some things going on. And so when I came to New York, it, a lot of it was just like burning it, you know, cause you can't just like be in New York, not getting paid for a long time without like support and safety nets and all this stuff. So that's part of it. And so, so you know, how do you tell somebody like a young person who like wants to get into it? Like, well, just, just do it. Just work for free. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, you can't not, you know, 
that doesn't always work. But say like work for free when you can work for free or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe find a studio that I don't know, the hours are better or like I don't know of any studios that pay their interns, but mm-hmm. Maybe something like that exists. Or, you know, I've had students too that when they graduate, they just started their own studio. You right. know, they had a space uh, and were able to, to build it out themselves. And that's pretty cool because then you are the boss. I mean, you're all, I mean, you're the boss, but you're also the engineer and you're the intern. You yeah. Know? So it's a lot yeah. of work. But yeah, man, I don't know. I don't think I have a, a good answer. I think it's it's good to value yourself and not get taken advantage of. Sure. But at the same time, like a lot of, the opportunities that I received were because I was kind of down to do things for free, you know? And I think if you're always, if you're always thinking about like, well, what are you going to pay me? And like, is it my rate? I think you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff if you can Mm -hmm. afford to, to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more, right? The last thing anybody needs to do is, is really put themselves in a position where they can't take care of themselves because we all, have to find a way to to keep our lights on, you know, whatever those happen to be. And so maybe you can't take every free opportunity that comes across, but to also not automatically ignore everything that comes across your your inbox or your desk because it's not paid upfront. You know, I don't know if I should put this out there, but I still occasionally do free gigs. You yeah. know, so maybe part of putting yourself in a position to do free gigs is taking on another job. Mm -hmm. You know, or like if you have a job, even if it's not your dream job, it can kind of free up your ability. This sounds like so whack, but it's like it can free up your ability to work for free. You Mm -hmm. know, like so like certain positions where someone's like, do you want to DJ this thing? Uh, It doesn't pay. You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. most people would be like, no, but it's like if it's a cool opportunity, I end up getting in with people who, you know, you're kind of like doing them an unspoken favor or like. You just like add a cool event. So like it adds to your like brand value. Like a lot of that stuff is not money. Mm-hmm. Like like the perceived value of you or your brand. Like I think that's really valuable. So if someone's like, like oh, this guy's DJing this cool event. He's cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. then to me, that's worth it. But rather than yeah. being like, no, pay me this much per hour and blah, blah, blah. And I get paid. And you know what I'm saying? Like, because you can't, you can't always buy that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just not like to mention the perception. The, yeah. And the opportunity for you to develop relationships in those spaces as well, yeah. right? Yeah. And you never know what it can lead to. In, in a way, you know, it's related to what we were saying before about, you know, putting your music on Spotify in and of itself isn't going to pay you a lot of money, but it does provide you like a, a point of connection to meet other people and right. through the thing that you want to be known for. And that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same. I guess it comes full circle. Putting your music on Spotify is like effectively in the beginning, like working for free, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like they, they barely pay you anything. Uh, but once that algorithm starts snowballing, you know, then you start getting some money coming in, you know, I think it's worth it. And then I guess, man, in, in terms of, you know, with your professor hat on, you know, what are those things that you try to encourage up and coming producers to study and to be aware of just from a technical perspective mm-hmm. to be solid producers? The thing that, I, that I'm like often surprised by is like how little music some people are listening to outside of mm. what they like, you know? So it's like, if I just like this one thing and I only listen to that one thing. Wow. I love that, man. It's, it's weird. It's like, you know, like, so one of my homework assignments will be like album of the week mm-hmm. and kind of go back and forth, like certain weeks I'll pick it. And like, it's like, how easy is that? You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. just listen. 
Yeah. Just jot down some ideas. We'll talk about it next week. Get some conversation going. Not everybody does that. And then still it's like, so I'm, I'll pick like Nirvana's Nevermind, you mm. know, or like Miles Davis or Marvin Gaye or like, you know, it's not always classic. Sometimes it'll be just like ones that I really like. Like Solange, A Seat at the Table is like one of my favorite albums. And I think mm-hmm. it's really impactful. And so like, that's constantly one. Dilla's Donuts is always one. Other times it'll just be like some hipster stuff that like I dig, yeah. you know, like Animal Collective or like Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh, one time I did Neutral Milk Hotel and pretty much everybody hated it. <laughs> and one person, one person dug it. She, she it like clicked with her and she was like, yeah. this is really cool, blah, blah, blah. Everybody else was like, I couldn't even make it through. And it's oh, like, wow. that's a, that's such like a loved album, you know? Yeah. And, and even just personally, that's like, I love that album, but you know, there's somebody playing like the saw, you yeah. know, and there's like an eight minute song on there. And yeah, but, but even just like, you know, like not everybody's heard like Wu-Tang or the Beatles or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Stuff like that, where it's like, how have you not heard this? And it's just like, oh, it's old or it's, it's not really relevant. Yeah. And I kind of get that. I mean, I know when I was young, I like there's certain stuff I just was not interested in listening to, but you know, I was still listening to like old soul music, you know, that was beyond my time. Sure. You know, like music from the seventies, I wasn't alive, you know, like living through it. So there's, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of that where people just like, don't want to check out like old stuff or other genres. Another one too, is like, I have a, um, a lesson on like dissonance and distortion and, and stuff that's like kind of hard to listen to or like challenging to the listener, either like harmonically or just like mix master wise, or even just like arrange like something like uh, JPEG mafia or death grips or just certain, certain types of metal um, where it's like kind of abrasive if you're not used to that. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for me, like I really dig that. Like when something is, is like, I don't want to say irritating, but like a little grating or like there's a Mm -hmm. challenge Mm -hmm. to get into it. Mm -hmm. And if you can get into it, it feels like to me, it feels like rewarding almost like to like to get it. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's like super pretentious. (laughs) Well, I mean, honestly, man, I kind of it's funny you say that I sort of have this like very like unproven theory, but that a lot of taste is sort of about and like enjoyment of music becomes is like familiarity. And so maybe if you don't like something, it's just, it's super outside of what you, at your normal range, maybe. And I think it's funny because I don't do this as much as I used to, but when I was younger, I definitely would force myself to listen to stuff over and over again if I didn't like it. And I'd be like, why don't I, you know, why don't I like this? And, and then now in some cases, it's stuff that I like. And so I don't know if it's sort of, I wonder if that's something that, you know, comes into play. It's just like getting used to something that's different, like sort of like a new food or something, you know? Yeah. But, you know, but you are a successful music producer. So it's like, what was the, was the first step being like, I'm the kind of person who's going to challenge myself, you know, and like you forcing yourself to listen to that, like probably echoes other approaches that you have, you know, or like, like willing, it's just like being willing to like try new stuff or, or like force yourself to learn or like force yourself to appreciate, I guess, maybe is a better word. Yeah. I, th- I think just being a student of it is so valuable, which I feel like, and just being, you don't have to like listen to death grips all the time. You don't have to be a fan necessarily, but sort of like learning to listen to it as somebody who makes music 
is really valuable, you know? And I think that's a cool thing to remind people of. And I appreciate you reminding me of it right now, honestly. It's it's a different approach and perspective to listening to music. And if you make music, it's just an invaluable and important thing. Because even if you can't articulate it, I do believe that it finds its way kind of into what you do somehow. I also feel like it scratches this itch of, you know, when you hear a song, especially stuff on the radio and, and you and you say like, well, I could have made this, you know, like it's so simple. I could have made this like, a, a, you know, there's a whole thing you can unpack about that. But um, <laughs> when I hear something that it's like, I know I could not have made it, that scratches like a certain niche for me. So when I listen to things like, and it doesn't have to be overly complicated, but like, like, I know certain jazz records or certain like metal albums where it's like beyond my ability, there's something cool. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's the opposite of I could have made this. And so it's like, you know, you ever like listen to a, a beat and you can see it in your head and you're like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I can see these MIDI clips and the drums and like, yeah. I can tell it's going to change. And, but when you listen to other things, it's like, oh man, I can't even make sense of what I'm hearing. Like certain, mm-hmm. like, like when Flying Lotus and Thundercat are together, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff where it's just like, yeah. man, this is insane. I can't, I can't like visualize it or I'm not even following the chords or I think for me, and you know, I don't, I don't have like incredible music theory, but like when it goes beyond what I know, it becomes this different thing. And I can, I can listen to it strictly, like not strictly, but mostly as a, a fan of music because it's not something that I like have the understanding to like dissect as a producer. You know? Yeah. And so, maybe it's hard to turn kind off of stuff. the, it's hard to turn off that producer brain when you're listening to yeah stuff yeah yeah that feels but like when i don't you know. when i don't have it you know it's like beyond my abilities then i can turn it off because it's like i don't even know how to assess what i'm listening to so like certain like math rock um you know stuff like that where it's just like the time signature just like keeps changing in a way that like i'm not even gonna try to count it you know just like let it kind of wash over like there's something satisfying about that i think anything else that you try to to have the students do that you feel like is helpful as foundationally as a producer? Yeah. I think like your training, mm-hmm. um, like no matter what element or what aspect of, um, music production you're into, uh, ear training will just like always make you better. And I don't know that you could ever do enough ear training, you know, like, yeah. whether it's like musical kind of harmonic, you know, interval kind of ear training or, training for frequencies. Mm. So I've been doing that a little bit. Uh, there's like a program called golden ears that people back in the day, like would use this program, but you can just kind of do it yourself. Like I, I had a bunch of tracks and then routed them to different like auxiliary tracks. And I would have like a pretty significant boost, mm-hmm. like 12 DB or 18 DB. I think like the go-to ones are usually like 30, 60, 125, 250, 500, 1K, 2K, 4K, 8K, 16K. Mm-hmm. And then so you can kind of, you can just, and they all, this is maybe too much information, but all those no, audio tracks great. are being, they're all being routed to all of the aux tracks. Gotcha. And so when you solo like the 8K, mm-hmm. right, it it travels through and then you can hear it with this like 18 dB boost at, 8k and when you unsolo that and then solo the 250 right you're still hearing the same path but being routed to the 250 so mm-hmm. you can kind of test you could test you i guess you could close your eyes and click around but it's easier yeah. if you're you know you're testing somebody else and then just say like well what frequency is being boosted 
And I think that stuff's really difficult at first, mm-hmm. you know, because you're like, oh, 125, 250, I'm not sure. Uh, but then once you get good at it, you can do less of a boost, right? Because then you say like, well, how often are you actually boosting right. 18 dB, yeah. you know, uh, on, on like a, t- a two track, like your master buzz. So you can do a, a smaller one and then you can do a cut, right? right? So you can actually, you can cut 500 Hertz and say like what frequency is being scooped. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. Uh, and then it's like, you know, if you think about like, let's say you get really good at those octaves. And so you're good at knowing the difference between 8K and 16K. There's a 8K difference between those two frequencies, mm-hmm. you know? So like you could be like, oh, it's higher than eight, but lower than 16, like could be nine, 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12, 13, 14. Sure. And even within that, it could be like, uh, somewhere between 14 and 15, mm-hmm. you know, cause now we're talking about like a thousand Hertz difference. Like, right. Uh, I, and I'm not, you know, I'm not great at this. I, I, um, I, you know, I, I know like where to look, I think when I'm EQing, yeah. um, but that kind of like really, really intricate, excuse me, intricate, um, like frequency, like training. Like I have some buddies that are just like incredible at that. Like, like my friend, Nakor, like he mixes, I mean, he masters most of my stuff, like pretty much all of my stuff. And then, so I'll like send him something that I think is ready for mastering. And he'll be like, you know, take out one DB at like 360 Hertz. And I do that. And the whole mix just like opens up and it's just like, man, how did you, you know what I mean? How did you know that? And like, it's a random number. He's not saying like, you know, do a broad scoop at 500 or something like that. You know, it's like this and one time my buddy, Dan Millis, he's another nasty mastering and he's the guy who just won a Grammy, another uh, mastering engineer. One time I was at the studio and he was like, he's like, Hey, can you pop in real quick? I'll get your opinion on something. And he's like, do you like this one where I'm scooping half a DB at like 12 K or this one where I'm scooping half a DB at 13 K or something like, man, I have no wow. idea. Yeah. Like you're on such the next level in terms yeah. of hearing stuff like that like so that's like one piece of advice would be like get like those two guys yeah uh if you can't i would say get somebody like that on your team yeah you know like even as like a great even if you're a great mixing engineer having like a trusty mastering engineer you know it's just somebody it's another like safety net it's somebody who's like i know they're gonna hear the things i can't hear and they're gonna you know and all the technical stuff and and whatever but like they, they they got my back, you know what I mean? So that's like, even though I like to do a lot of stuff, you know, I'm mixing my own stuff now and whatever, like I still want a trusty mastering absolutely. engineer you no, know, for the ones that are like really important. Yeah. No, I mean, and I hope and you anybody... can use like ozone and all that, but sure. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying, I hope anybody listening to this, that's trying to improve their mixing and their ears goes back and cause that, I mean, that's great. You know what I mean? And it's like, start with something that's more pronounced and just learn to dial it back until you can hear things more subtly. And inevitably you're yeah. just gonna, whether you're mixing and mastering your own stuff or sending it to somebody else for mastering, you're just gonna be in a better position. And there's apps too. There's like, I think Audio Tones is one where like, it'll it'll test you. you know, oh, it'll wow, give cool. you a, a boost and it'll say what frequency. So, uh, you know, if you, if you wanna get just straight into like the testing part. Yeah. And it's like maybe five bucks, but like, you know, that's totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of really, really train. Yeah. I mean, I think if that's something people can do just even for like five or 10 minutes a day, 
just uninterrupted that can over time really definitely build up some some ear training that's really cool also man i guess i would like to get into a little bit walk us through your process a little bit when you're making beats like where do you typically start is it drums is it a melody is it neither of those things how do you know when you're done yeah i, I think for me like so i play a little guitar i play like a little keys but n- nothing like significant like the guitarist and piano players around me are all like so much better than I am, you know, that it's like, that's not usually where I feel like I'm going to shine. But I think like one of my strengths is sample chopping and rearranging Mm. and manipulating. So that's, that's something I've been like tending to focus on recently. And I like worked out my own like weird little method of getting all my like strange chops. So yeah, a lot of times I'll start with, samples or you know sometimes like a um drums if if they're going to be like unusual drums mm-hmm. i guess like whatever is going to be the more like interesting element maybe try to start with that and then work things around that so like mm-hmm. if the drums are like intentionally off beat a little bit maybe i'll start with that and gotcha. then make things fit that so do you intentionally approach a beat kind of being like, this is going to be the most important element in this beat when you start? You're like, the most important part of this is going to be the drums or the sample? Not really. I mean, when just for me personally, like when I'm starting something new, I usually don't have an idea. Hmm. It's just it's just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. You know, whereas like when you're like when I would play in bands and stuff, like by the time we got to the studio, like those songs are all worked out. Sure. You know what I mean? Like we know exactly but when I'm making beats, it's like, let me just, and and I, I like make beats when I am just chilling, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like a, Oh, I have this idea. I got to get down. It's just like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sitting in front of, you know, I've got like YouTube playing something like I'll just pull up Ableton. Um, and like most of the time, I mean, I, I put out a lot of music, but that's like such a small percentage of like the, stuff that I'm even bouncing out of Ableton, which is such a small percentage of the stuff that I'm even just hitting save and never opening right. again, which, and then there's like a portion that I've just never hit save, you wow. know, it'd be like, yeah. make something work on it. And I'm like, I don't even really like this. <laughs> you know, so I'll just like delete yeah. it. So, yeah. So I don't really have like a, you kind of never know what what's going to happen. I mean, you can have an intention. You'd be like, I'm going to make a such and such type beat. Or if I'm working on an album and I'm like, you know, I'm missing, I'm missing a track that feels like such and such, you know? Yeah. And in terms of it being done, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's never like really clear when it's done, you know, it's like a painting (laughs) or something. It's like, when is a painting done? So you could, you know, you can mix something until for the rest of your life if you want. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, But at some point you just got to put it out, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe just giving yourself a deadline or. What I like to do is like, I'll bounce. I'm like constantly bouncing out stuff that I'm working on. And then I'll, I still use like iTunes playlists. I don't know if people do that, but it's like all my iTunes playlists are just like my own, like works in progress. Gotcha. Um, And so I'll listen to those bounces as like an album and be like, does it make sense? Does this flow right or whatever? And like, I like to listen to my works in progress, not in the session, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't want to see the parts. I don't want to see the automation. So like I'll bounce it, walk around, listen to it. Or like sometimes I'll just play it and like turn my head away from my computer even yeah. just to be like, just to try to, like we were talking about before, like try to access that part of your brain where you're just like a fan of music or a listener mm-hmm. and see if anything's sticking out 
you know, and then go back in and and, and kind of tweak it. And I guess it's just a matter of like, if you can listen to it without something sticking out as like a thing to fix, yeah. then I would say it's, and it's ready. Your process is too interesting just in how you're like constantly making, like you don't have, okay, this is my time in the studio and I'm going to go make beats right now. It sounds like you just kind of are always down to open up Ableton and see what happens. And I guess maybe that's part of it, but I'm curious because, you know, especially when you include all the aliases that you have too, you release music at a pretty consistent and high rate. And so I think maybe giving a little bit of insight into how you, how you get there. Cause I think there's a lot of people who have a ton of beats that are unfinished sitting on their computer mm-hmm. and in lieu of like opening it up and, you know, moving it to completion and putting it out on streaming or wherever they would want to put it out. They just kind of open a new blank project. I know that some people are like that. I have a student right now who's an incredible producer. Like his Mm -hmm. beats are so good. And he's always just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to put it out. (laughs) You know, and it's like, what are you doing? Like if that, if I made that beat, that would be the next single, Mm -hmm. you know? But like some people just, just, I don't know, like they feel that way. But for me, it's like, I'm, let's just put it out, you know? And like, I actually... So I have like a ton of projects too. Like, like if anything, I don't have enough. It's just like the release times, you know? So mm-hmm. that's part of why like the aliases are are helpful just to kind of, um, just to get it all out. But also too, like I, I started playing more guitar again. I kind of didn't really play guitar for, for like years. Cause it just mm-hmm. like, wasn't really what I was, what I was working on. And so recently I kind of got back into listening to more guitar based music and, like emo and metal and stuff like that so i started playing guitar again and then i was like well let me record this idea and ended up recording like five ideas and so wow. i was like oh man this is like a little ep of like kind of like a um almost like midwest emo but not not super intricate you know sure. just kind of like simple simplified and then one of them was like kind of left i was like well this feels too like almost like death from above that kind of like rock so I was like, well, okay. this one doesn't make sense. So I made another playlist and I put it on there. And then I was like, well, maybe I could make more like that. Yeah. Ended up making like five more ideas for that. So it's like, so from just like making the rock stuff, now I have these two EPs that don't sound like each other. Like maybe those are two more aliases. Yeah. You know what I mean? The stuff that I'm making is not very complicated. So I'm able to work like very quickly. So I don't know. I think like if you can figure out what's not you, but for whoever is is looking for advice if if you if you know like what's slowing you down maybe it's uh bass lines or something mm-hmm. then like work with a good bassist mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i know like i can i can play a little bass i can put low end in a song it's not that interesting mm-hmm. but i could hit up chris who's mm-hmm. like i mean he's nasty at everything but like yeah. he's nasty ba- you know bass player or like and guitarist and piano player and you know all yeah. kinds of stuff yeah, um so like on my album i'm working on like there's a bunch of like he's playing bass on some of it this guy andre who's nasty another multi-instrumentalist he's playing bass cartoons is playing bass so it's like these guys are way better than i am so why not like loop them in you know if yeah. that's like what's gonna keep the ball rolling you know what i mean yeah um I, I think i think that's what it's like if you know what's slowing you down and so for the like rock stuff i can't sing so that's like the, that's the bottleneck. Like I want to put yeah. vocals on this. Gotcha. I can't sing. So it's like just trying to find somebody. Once you find that, then it's like, cool, put that out. 
do the next thing. That's you know cool, I mean? man. I like yeah, to I mean, move very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like how you have like, I don't know when, a, when a new kind of sound or idea comes up, it seems like you just make space for it. You know, you just like, all right, I need a new iTunes playlist for this now. And yeah. you don't, and yeah, I think, exactly. right. Instead of, which I think is, you know, I, I don't think it's uncommon for people to kind of stumble upon a new sound and then sort of like mentally just like kind of smother it or ignore it because like, well, it doesn't fit into this thing that I already had in mind. And so I think that expansive, like, and making room for that is a really, that's a really cool kind of way to come at it. And I think a lot of us can benefit from that. And that's really, really cool, man. And also, yeah, I think the, the sense of like having to do everything yourself, you know, you don't have to do everything yourself. If there's, you know, you expand the possibilities in your music, if you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is going to be more interesting if I have somebody else play bass on this or have somebody else play guitar on this and not have, I think because maybe we do live in this age of there are some like super producers and there's this sense of like, you need to do everything yourself. And if you don't, that there's somehow, I don't know, like maybe it takes away from the credibility or quality of your music, you know? And I definitely right, yeah. am with you on that. It's like, no, if you have something in your head and you can't get there on your own, you know, it's the collaboration is, is amazing. Not to mention that you can learn to become a better player through collaborating and better producer mm -hmm. as well. So that's really, really cool, man. I, I agree. And I, I should be like uh, doing that, but it's just like, if I know somebody's nasty, you know, then it's like, well, I'll, I'll never like be at their level. So I just like keep like looping them back in and you'll find like certain people that you just work really well with, or you work really quickly with, mm. you know what I mean? And I think like, I think like just making your, your team strong. And if there's somebody who you worked with, but like, maybe you didn't vibe with them, you know, that's cool. Like you can still like, sure. You know what I mean? Like you can have, like, I have, I have some collaborations where it's just slow, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. And so like, that's not my main thing because that would drive me crazy if like my main thing was slow. Right. Just because like, I'm, I'm, I just happen to work very quickly, you know, yeah. like, and I'm probably, you know, missing a lot of detail and, and all this stuff. But like, for me, it's like, I'm working quickly. So yeah. the stuff that is slow, it'll just happen when it happens, you know, and I'm right. not like cutting it off and I don't want to not do it. I think that's another thing too, is like one of the reasons why I have so many projects is because there's a lot of collaboration. So like the vocalists that I work with, um, like they're dope vocalists, you know, they're people who are doing big things and, and are busy. So um, I'm kind of on their schedule a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if it takes them, six months to send me a part back in those six months, like think about how many new things started cooking up, you know? So yeah, it's absolutely. like having a lot of projects at the same time, like lets you like not be so stressed at how long something's taking. I have like an album album with all, all vocalists on it. I have a instrumental kind of beat tape. I have a instrumental Lake Sanford kind of chill EP, uh, a collab EP with a friend of mine. Um, and then like this rock stuff. So, you know, maybe six or seven things in the works. So it's like, sure. whatever kind of gets done will be the next one that comes out. And if the others like are taking a long time, like they'll come out when they come out, you know? Yeah. Like there's a bunch of trains on different tracks moving at different speeds, you know, but they're all going to yeah, get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it just cool. takes the, the like stress off a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that's part of how you have so much stuff coming out all the time is that you have all these separate kind of trains run it. Yeah. 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 yeah right and then I don't have to be this guy that's like, Hey man, send me your, 
send me your parts, send me your parts. Yeah. You know, it's just, you get to be a little more chill and just like, ah, yeah, whenever you get time. Meanwhile, I'm like, internally, I'm like, oh, send me. <laughs> Where send me is parts. that part? But, yeah. 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 But then, you know, it keeps like the, keeps the vibe more chill and you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there any, are any of these projects coming out soon or anything you want to talk about kind of in more detail? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the next jacuzzi album um but i don't know like when or how it's gonna come out other than that so i and i like change my mind so quickly like i'll, I'll be like oh such and such is the next thing here's how i'm gonna do it and then a couple of days later i'm like no that's not it it's this other thing you know yeah. so that, that's you know it's nice being on being kind of like solo and free to move however you want. But at the same time, it's, it's hard to like know if an idea is good or not. So I just kind of like run with something and then change my mind and run with that. So, so now the latest I'm thinking is take that, that beat tape I was talking about and maybe deconstructing it as just singles. Oh, cool. So just drop in those. Cause you know, like I was talking about like the pitching for Spotify editorial mm-hmm. and all that. So it kind of like, doesn't make sense to drop, 10 songs and pitch one of them yeah so just break them up into singles and then yeah like every couple of weeks just drop that and then if anything like if if you use the same distributor and the same isrc codes at the end you could put out an album that has all those songs and the stats still translate and there's mm. the same distributors collecting for you um so if because I like to think in terms of projects, you know, I've got the iTunes playlist. So it's sure. like I've been looking at this as an album for like sure. six months to a year. So it's like, I want it to be an album. Whereas all the music marketing people will tell you like, don't drop albums, drop singles. Yeah. It's a singles market. So I think by dropping singles, let's say you drop nine out of the 10, then what you could do is drop a 10 track album that has those nine plus a new one mm-hmm. and then pitch that new one. So that, this way, all 10 tracks have been pitched and it exists as an album. So I think it's like a new, like if somebody had done that back in, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, like that would have been so whack, you know, and like the day <laughs> yeah. the album comes out, you'd be yeah. like, this is, we heard all this already. This is not, you know, like yeah. when you go to Sam Goody to buy the CD, yeah. you know, it's like, why would I buy this? This is old. Yeah. But like that model is so, is so gone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, unless you're you know, Beyonce, Drake, Taylor Swift, like people don't care about like the day your album comes out and like sales mm-hmm. and, you know, was it, what did it live up to blah, blah, blah. Like who cares? Like, yeah. If you're still on your way up kind of getting people's attention, like, so I think that's where I'm at right now. I'll see if it changes by like tomorrow, yeah. but I think I'm going to like do like all singles and then, then drop the album of like previously released stuff. Just so like if somebody finds out about it, after that point they can click on the one album and hear it as a project but leading up to that point like each one gets the attention that you know that it deserves or give it its its fairest shot at at landing on a playlist or something like that yeah absolutely yeah man i appreciate you sharing all that too yeah i mean and i hope again anybody who's planning to put out music i hope you go back and listen to this because yeah that's really cool stuff to think about in terms of strategy and just functional stuff and you know what's well, here's one more one more nugget is yeah, uh this is what people do now and you, i'm sure you've like seen this too but like so people especially if you are a band or a producer and you don't have listed features this becomes mm-hmm. a lot easier so if it's just yeah. one artist so you drop the single and then when you drop the second single you know like a month or however long later 
track two is the first single. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then when you drop the third single, it's that one. Track two is the second single. Track three is the first single. And so you just kind of keep re-releasing and re-releasing and re-releasing. And just like, because if you, it's all about clicks, right? Like I want to get somebody to click on my song. They click on it on the third release, but they don't click away from it. It's going to play track two and track one. And so you get more streams, right? I mean, you get like a one extra stream per song, but also it's another time somebody's heard that song. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you were talking about like people kind of like what they're familiar with or like sure. repetition. Mm-hmm. But like if you just kind of keep getting them to hear that same song, it might kind of like, you know, earworm its way in. Yeah. Um, and then whenever you drop the album, as long as all your ISRC codes are the same, like that song already, you know, you drop an album that day, it has 10,000 plays because mm-hmm. of the previous singles all count yeah. towards that album. Um, so I think a lot of people have been doing that over the past like year or two, but I, I think that that's like a smart, interesting kind of, I didn't realize you could approach. have the same as long ISRC as you across all songs like that. Yeah. Interesting. No, across like the same, the same. So it's like your song as the single and then mm-hmm. that song on your album. Got it. Right. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Cause otherwise, like if they're different, then they're going to be two separate ones. And then your yeah. top five might have like two versions of the same song and sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, man. Again, that's a great nugget for everybody in the producer world trying to put their music out. And I think the last couple of things I want to do is let's tell everybody where they can find you, where you'd like to be found, handles, <laughs> platforms, et cetera. And then I want to get into some questions that are a little like really short answers and don't think too hard about them, you know, and we'll wrap okay. it up. Yeah. I mean, I, I use um, Instagram. That's like pretty much it. I have yeah. a TikTok that I like don't really use. Yeah. Even though everybody says you have to use it. Um, but yeah, at Jacuzzi Jefferson on Instagram. And if you want to shoot me an email, it's just Jacuzzi Jefferson at email. I'll watch out for that uh, inbox. Now, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's gonna be like ways to get more Spotify streams. <laughs> That's like what my inbox is. It's just all that. And it's just like, man, what is this? This is yeah. You know, it's one more thing, just because I, I thought about this, is yeah. there was a minute, I don't know if people are doing this as much anymore, but they'll be like, you know, we'll get your song in such and such playlist. Um, but let's say like you do that and you work mm-hmm. with somebody who puts you on these like, you know, playlists with a lot of fluff or yeah. let's say it's like Ed Sheeran, um, Ariana Grande, Jacuzzi Jefferson, you know, something like yeah. that, like <laughs> top hits of whatever. Yeah. It's like if people listen to that playlist, they're going to skip your song. Mm-hmm. Like if you're looking for Ed Sheeran and Ariana Grande, like yeah. you're going to skip Jacuzzi Jefferson. They don't like that kind of stuff. So right. I think sometimes those services that are like, we'll get you on a such and such playlist, like can actually be a, a disservice. You know, mm-hmm. you're teaching the algorithm that people skip you. So I would be cautious about that kind of thing. You know, when yeah, you get man. the emails. That's a, that's a little gem. I think that's great, man. To remind people that like, it's, it's tempting, you know, and you love the idea of being out there, but it's, you got to keep in mind sort of the medium, you know, and, and where all this exists and how it works. And so, yeah, man, again, appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, man. I think the best thing you could do is just like, like, like if everybody in like the producer community makes their own playlist and puts their own, like if I make a playlist and I put you on it and me Mm -hmm. on it and nothing new and radicule and yeah. like jazz enough. And just like all yeah. these like homies, you know, that yeah. like actually make sense together and everybody else is also doing the same thing. I think then you can kind of like glue them together in a way that 
the algorithm realizes like what's up. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the algorithm. Yeah. And it's a good way for like the community to help other people working on similar things, you know? So it's just, it's a nice way. It's, it's kind of a cool way and a lightweight way to be able to collaborate and let people know you're supporting them. And I, and I really like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, man, we'll jump into these quick hits and yeah, go follow this man on all the places, Instagram and his inactive TikTok, I guess. You've already said this, but we'll go ahead and say it just in case anybody missed it. Which doll do you use? I use Ableton for production. For okay. like kind of big recording stuff, I use Pro Tools. And I used to dump Ableton into Pro Tools for like, like mixing. Uh, but these days I'm just straight up in Ableton. Right on. Go to sound or instrument. I just got Keyscape. I know I was like very late, late to the game. Also, I've been really digging a lot of um, contact instruments. Just kind of like... Uh, anything that's like odd and kind okay. of strange sounding. Yeah, those two. Oh, and then this one, I don't even know how to say it. It's like Remina or something like that. W-R-E-M-E-N-A. Okay. Uh, and there's like a, they have this like sampled um, like 1970s P bass. Um, just as was, like you know, one shot you played across. Yeah, is that what you were showing we me when we were in New York? Ah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, 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 dude, yeah, you have to get that from um, me. I want to look that one up again. Yeah, that's really that's a cool plug. Man, that one was like yeah. thirty bucks. Yeah, that's really dope. That, I just had yeah, it was like cool so interface cheap. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I dig it. And that's one where I was like, I was on Instagram stories, and it came up as an ad, and I was like, all right, I clicked on it, like from yeah. the stories. And just like purchased it through <laughs> that. And, I was yeah. like, and then we just went back to stories, you know, because yeah, like, it's like 30 bucks. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I've been using that one a lot. Yeah, I will also say, cool. man, yeah, that was, uh, I was really, because I mean, I just love P-Bass in general. And yeah, I mean, I was like, damn, it sounds really good. I guess it's sort of related, but go to plugin. Maybe that's not like a, an instrument. These days, uh, I like the Pro-Q3 from FabFilter mm-hmm. for EQing. Yeah. I like the Good Hertz the Wolf compressor that one I'm just doing like in parallel, basically like yeah. just a tiny amount. Yeah. Um, I like their mid side too. That one's pretty good. I just bought soothe too. I know I was like kind of late to the game on that one, but that one's been cool. That one's yeah. just for like that last, like 2%, you know, yeah. on, on mixing. Absolutely. And then like, you know, don't sleep on the stocks stock Ableton. They yeah. Some really good stuff. Dude, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I love, yeah. Ableton plugins are great. Favorite piece. I think of- Logic stock oh, sorry, plugins ahead. are good too. Yeah, like Logic stock compressors and some of their more like modulation stuff. And- yeah, they have a great collection of compressors in okay. Logic. I haven't used Logic in a minute, but yeah, that's crazy the number of compressors. That's something I wish Ableton did have more of. It's just kind of more variety in the compressors. And then favorite piece of gear, physical. I don't have anything like crazy. The newest I I got was I just bought this um, baritone guitar. Oh, dope. Because um, I love the seafoam green. Yeah, and it's it's just yeah, right. It only came in in two colors. It was like yeah. uh, um, like sunburst, and then you know this guy. So I thought this was cool. Yeah, that's a little that blink point eighty two right yeah, so there. Just, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, but I've got it tuned down to like B standard. Oh wow! And then on top of that, I I dropped. I, I don't I guess you would call it like drop A. Gotcha. So it's like A. Yeah, I've never messed with either of those two names. Um, well, so it's it's just like it's just like um, I think what five frets lower than a guitar, gotcha. okay. but still the same like tuning. Gotcha. Like the same like relative tuning. Yeah, gotcha. Um, just so you can get some like really rich 
kind of low end. And I haven't been yeah. able to like dial in the tone just yet in terms of like the virtual amps that I'm using. Yeah. Man, that's a whole rabbit hole. Now I'm like watching yeah. all these like these, you know, if you buy the like different people's presets for their amps, then mm-hmm. you know, like it it can get pretty expensive. But yeah, yeah shout to I'm, a, I'm the most yeah, that's the, you know, for the record, everybody's holding the guitar with one hand. So he's also in the gym as well. <laughs> Three producers you think everybody should listen to and you can't say Dilla or Mad Lib. Oh man. Only three? Only three. Or it's like, gotta be the the, the, the podium. Oh my goodness. And you can't say Dilla or Mad Lib. Uh yeah. Stolen Drums. Boom. Our our mutual friend. There you go. Shout um, out to Stolen Drums, I chain. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, dude, really. Um man. Now it's like I just want to shout out the homies, you know? Yeah. Three, I'm trying to pick like some like maybe that people don't know about. I mean, people know about drums, but like, you know, I only got two spots left. <laughs> I like don't want to answer wrong because later I'll be like, I'll be like showering like a week from now and I'll just be like, oh, I didn't say so and so. If you need more than three, you could have it. I don't want to put you through agony, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, check out my guy, Chris Mazuera. He just dropped an album. And it's it's nasty. And that's my dude. I think, you know, a lot of people like in the New York beat scene, like are, are pretty dope. Yeah. You know, it's so, like nothing new and Radicule and Chef Dog, Lake, Designer Dreams, like Cryptic One. I mean, he's another yeah, one of our crib. mutual friends. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Shout the crib. Um, there's just like too many, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. I'll have to see because I know there's like people like whenever I'm DJing, I feel like I end up playing like the same stuff. Yeah. And then being like, man, this person's nasty. Like more people should know about this. I'll think yeah. of it. And then I'll, there'll be like a, um, you know, some supplementary content where I just list like 200 people that I wish I had shouted out. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Go check all those people out. Someone else you think I should talk to on this podcast. I mean, Crip would be cool. He's, yeah. He's somebody who just like, agree. very knowledgeable, very down to share information. That's the thing is like, I mean, every, everybody's kind of got their own thing. You know, but it's like, how down are you to like share that? Yeah. You know, like, are, is this like a secret that you're holding on to? Um, <laughs> no, man, I can agree more. He's super open and just dope. Yeah. And he knows like, I mean, obviously he knows music, but he, he knows like live music and mm-hmm. running a label and selling physical stuff and Facebook ads and, you know, that kind of yeah. stuff where it's like, he, he knows a lot about a lot. So yeah. I think he would be a good yeah, Good man, person. I agree. Yeah, I've, I've definitely, he's definitely on my mind for sure. So I'm hoping we'll have him on here before too long. And two Maybe more. you should get drums on here too. I would love to have drums on here. Yeah, man. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he's shared so much already and it's just, yeah, I mean, and obviously just an incredible producer as well. And his sound has just evolved so much from the time that I've discovered him to now in terms of like what he's making and how he makes it. It's made. Yeah, he seems to, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but he's, he seems to be somebody who's just like always curious you know, yeah, like man. he's not just like he's like could have gotten comfortable a long time ago and just been like, all right, I figured out how to make dope beats. Yeah. But it's just like always evolving and like new gear and new workflows and new plugins and new hardware and learning about the like really technical nerdy stuff, but while still keeping like Absolutely. I don't know, you know, he's the man. Shout out yeah, to Yeah, man. I, I couldn't agree more. I really feel like he definitely embraces that kind of beginner's mindset and that like forever student kind of thing. He's just as soon as he learns something, he's trying to build on it. And that's that's really cool. And as you mentioned, man, he just shares it too, which is amazing, you know. And you should talk to my guy Kyle too, because he yeah. he's another person who's like, you know, a great musician, but like also 
like a lot of the stuff that I've learned about streaming and sync and that kind of like online networking stuff, like a lot of that has been through him. And he's somebody who is just down to like share information. Yeah, that's what's up, man. Yeah, I'd love to meet Kyle. Cool, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, all right, man, we're almost there. Two more. Your favorite movie of all time. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, wow. That's a that's a jam. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. That one is like, is like, it's, it's sad. I like to feel sad. We don't have to unpack that. <laughs> um, I think it's just like visually really cool. And the music yeah. is like some of my favorite, oh my favorite God. music. John Bryan yeah. did that. Oh, okay. Um, and when Jay Electronica did that, Eternal Sunshine, I lost my mind when the first mm-hmm. time I heard that. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. He's Jay. This might be a hot take. Jay Electronica is like one of my top five favorite rappers. Well, I love him and too, people, man. Yeah. People get mad. They're like, oh, he only has the one album, blah, blah, blah. But like that whole Eternal Sunshine thing. And then if you're looking for it, there's a lot of music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've gotten to see him live a couple of times. He was incredible. All right. Yeah, I only saw him live once, but it was it was a it was a really good show. Yeah, man, tons of energy. I mean, he can definitely. And this was before you know the album came out, so. But yeah, man, he could keep a crowd yes, entertained man. with the with the small catalog he had out at the time, you know. All right, last question, man. If you were to do one thing that would break the internet, what would it be? Hmm. I don't think I want to break the internet. <laughs> I, I, I like to be comfortable. You know, so if I yeah. could just kind of like stay comfortable, like the people who know me know me, but the people who don't know me wouldn't recognize me. That would be my best case scenario. Gotcha. You know, I don't think I'm looking to like stir things up in a way where we're all of a sudden I'm on too many people's radar. So, gotcha. I, and I think the internet's cool. I like to keep it working, you know, <laughs> I don't want to uh, mess with that. The pacifist. So I don't know. I would say... Yeah, I'm trying to not not break the internet. <laughs> right on. Well, man, thank you so much for the for the How about time, you? How, how are you gonna? How would you break oh, the internet? Oh wow! How would I break the internet? I would probably accidentally trip over the main line that is the source of the internet. Just unplug it. Yeah, trying to plug in my <laughs> yeah. guitar, and I would accidentally kick out that cord. Probably. This was super fun, man. Thank you so much. Like, I'm gonna. I know that I'm gonna go back and listen to this and and take some notes. You shared a lot of just really cool practical information from releasing music from making music to just listening to music and and all around man so thank you so much for the time anything else you want to say yeah, before i appreciate we get out you here? i appreciate you having me on here man yeah for sure we'll do it again we'll do it again definitely anytime yeah and uh yeah go follow this man at jacuzzi jefferson stream them several times on repeat don't pause yeah. it after 10 seconds add it to a playlist yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Sometimes I'll like, I'll click, like I'll need to check out something on my own song. So I'll like listen to it and get whatever I needed to know. And then it's like, oh, well now I don't want to turn it off. Cause it's like, I don't want to <laughs> mess up the album. I don't want to, yeah, I don't want this so, yeah. going on the permanent record of this song. Yeah, exactly. But if you do that too often, then at the end of the year, Spotify will, will be like, you know, you're your own top artist. You know, when yeah. you do the wrapped. Yeah, like, so you, yeah, can't, yeah. you can't be listening to your own music too much. So. Yeah, you gotta. You need to create an alias account just to listen to your own music, right? <laughs> that's what. That's like. That's maybe the best hack. Just yeah. Each alias project for releasing music has its own alias for listening to the other projects. Yeah, you need a Bitcoin mine just to listen to your catalog. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I bet you could figure that out. Well, maybe we'll get to that's that how I'll break the internet. So, yeah, there you go. We'll <laughs> break the internet. I'll break, break the internet by trying to like by trying to like juice up your streams with the streams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, go follow this man and listen to his music so he doesn't have to do that. At Jacuzzi Jefferson, everybody, and we will see you again soon. Thank you for listening. Peace. I appreciate you. Likewise. That's it for this episode of Producer Head. I appreciate you coming through and being a part of it. My hope is that it helps you unlock a bit more creativity and find progress in a way that matters to you. Before we go, there are two simple and zero cost ways to support the Producer Head podcast. One, tap in and subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether it be Spotify or Apple. Two, if you haven't already, drop a review on Apple or Spotify, maybe both if you're feeling it. The feedback is appreciated and helps me continue to do what's working while improving along the way. Finally, let's stay connected. I regularly share ideas that help me develop my creative process along with music recommendations and even give away free music and sample packs. Head to torubeat.com, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T.com and sign up to receive all of these things and stay up on all things producer head. You can also stay connected with me and the podcast at torubeat, T-O-R-U-B-E-A-T on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Again, for real, thank you so much for being here with me. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode of Producer Head. This has been Toru. And in a way, so are you. Peace.